Basketball is very good. Jimmy Butler is actually a good teammate. Sabanis is the most important front court pacer. De'Aaron Fox is better than Donovan Mitchell. Basketball is very good. Hello, and welcome to the Ringer NBA show. It's group chat. I still don't know the origin of why I do that. <laughs> it's great. We'll find out one day. Paolo Ogetti. I like it. What's up? Justin Verrier. Young Flem checking in. Uh, the number one Wilco <laughs> fan at this table. And Ali O'Shaughnessy. He's never heard of Wilco. What's up? Thank you. Uh, guys, I, I can't wait to talk to you. I want to get a little. Let's 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 start with the Kyle Korver trade. We'll do news at the top. Uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about um, Luka Doncic, which is like kind of like become, I think, my favorite thing about this NBA season. I like that pronunciation. Thank yeah. you, thank you. Shout out to Kyle Mann, okay. whose dime drop video showed me the way of the the true <laughs> the true pronunciation. Can we get a slow mo of that? Uh, we're also going to talk about <laughs> things that we were wrong about in our early season predictions because we've got about twenty games. We got a nice little sample size to go against it. Can we talk a little bit about this Corver trade? Yeah, let's. Uh, I I think it's useless. Whoa! <laughs> yeah, I just don't think it matters. I think that this is a trade where you got you you feel good about it now, and then like they're just gonna people are just gonna hunt Corver out on pick and rolls and in the playoffs. And I'm a little bit nervous for Utah to have two guys now. You know, Gobert obviously is a much bigger part of the team than Corver is, and the Corver is just supposed to provide some shooting and some depth there, mm-hmm. but. Corver's a liability straight up on defense, and Gobert is going to get kind of schemed out on defense uh, in the playoffs. And since they have such high expectations for themselves, there's something about this trade, although they didn't really give up a ton, it's Alec Burks and, and two second rounders. I just feel like it's kind of like, you know, deck chairs on the Titanic. I don't think they're expecting Corver to be that much, though. He's not like a side dish. He's like the cranberry. Okay. Oh. Mm. Okay. <laughs> okay. But isn't the cranberry like a side dish? Guess like who's still eating Thanksgiving Isn't the, isn't the cranberry a side, a side dish? Almost December. Well, it's, yeah, but it's like not... It's you a premier side dish. Yeah, it just helps okay. everything else out. Okay. I, I, They're not expecting him to like take over Joe Ingles shots. Yeah. But he's definitely gonna add to it and they need everything they can get right now. I agree that in the long term it like is useless, but I think in the short term it gives Gee, them what? like it gives them like some life mm-hmm. like, that they kind of need. I mean, like they're literally the second worst team in the West right now. Yeah. By record. And a huge part of why their defense hasn't been as good is because they're just not making shots on the offensive end and instead turning the ball over. So if they can get another guy in there that can give them a few shots a game, I think that'll go a long way, at least in the short term. Plus, it's really like jarring how they're not taking advantage of their good defense when it is good. Like, they'll force a turnover and then nothing will come of it on the other end. That is something that with a fast-paced offense, you have Corver running down there, you can give to him and he can make something of that. Mm. Yeah, Kevin Pellin had this one stat that according to Second Spectrum, the Jazz have actually opened up the uh, the highest quality three-point looks in the NBA this season. But because they have no three-point shooting, and like Alex Burks, not a three-point shooter, was among their best three-point shooters, they just weren't able to take advantage of it. So I guess the the glass half-full look would be that if they have the looks already, that they just get someone in there and they can they can take advantage of it. Do you have a grander diagnosis for what's going on with this team? Um, I think Paolo hit on it, and and he wrote about this on on Sunday. It just seems like they're the type of team that needs to out-execute everybody. They don't necessarily have uh, just elite talent across the board. Donovan is obviously their best offensive player, and like he's just been struggling big time. Like, what do you have? Thirty five points yeah. or thirty five shots and no right. assists? Like, something just can't win playing that way. Uh, and so I do think it has a trickle-down effect. Yeah. If they aren't executing on offense, then they're playing in transition on defense. And then their biggest asset is Gobert, who can still erase things, but if he's running... If he's running he's not and he's getting caught out of position, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, so I, I honestly am pretty hopeful about Utah, and I think there are a couple moves like this on the margins, like Corver, that I think could put them right back in the mix for like the 2-3 seed. I feel like this was uh, 
Like I got to experience what it would have been like if the Sixers had traded for Corver vicariously, which is not good. I wouldn't have felt <laughs> good about it. But, you know, th- that had been a very flimsily sourced rumor that there had been talk about faults for Corver. Uh, Straight up? Well, I mean, you, it depends on who you ask about the faults <laughs> trade market the right now. The seems weird. Uh, I mean, Bill was like, Bill on the his pod with Rosillo yesterday, and I feel like this was just an effort to trigger me was <laughs> saying Antonio Blakeney, <laughs> right? Or and a second. Uh, to to be fair, Arshin Diakio, Ryan Archie Diakio, Ryan Archie really like Antonio Blakeney. No I love, joke. I love Ryan Archie Diakio. Yeah. Arch, I can't say that name. I can't either. Can you do it? Archie Diakio. Ooh. Archie Diakono. Archie Diakono. Yeah. He looks a lot like Kirk Heinrich. Bobby is nodding. <laughs> yeah. He's the pronunciation guy. Here. Uh, the, the, all the trades that they were throwing out there were the exception maybe of Josh Jackson for Marco Fultz, which is like my trash for your trash. You know, like I I was basically, this is offensive. And I, and I just don't know that Corver really changes anything for anyone. I guess he he helped out Cleveland, but I I, I don't. I don't really know if that's like the kind of move that... Well, wasn't what Philly was struggling with earlier in the season? Didn't Joel talk about how they got rid of all their three-point shooters? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah guess who's a three-point shooter? Yeah, Kyle Korver. You but know, g- guess who gets nuked on perimeter defense? <laughs> and guess who can't play perimeter defense already is Philly. I don't think he's that bad okay. on defense. I think he's mm-hmm. like, I think he tries real hard. Yeah, yeah. He's average and he's, he's just like, he's so smart yeah. that he can yeah. like kind of do things. Which is why I think someone like Gobert having an eraser back there makes a lot of sense for him for a team that he's on. Because he can cover for some of those, like he he basically warps the floor to the point where he doesn't really even have to cover that much. That's a good point. You're talking me into this. I also think that it's kind of hard to maybe quantify like what this kind of does for a team. Sometimes, like I, I went like I went to the game when they were in town playing the Lakers, and you could just kind of tell they were like really frustrated about the fact that like they didn't really have an answer for what was happening. Just it was just the way they were playing, turnovers and and the poor defense, like. They didn't really know kind of what to do about it. So something like this maybe like is like a spark in a way, like maybe just gets them motivated. They just need like a refresh button. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with Paulo because not to overstate his importance, but Corver just by the way he plays kind of pumps some purpose mm-hmm. into an offense. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's constantly moving, you know, he's opening up passing lanes for other people. He's taking away defenders. So something like that, like all of a sudden they get on a hot streak could really help them out. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about some of the games last night. Oh, wait, you don't want to talk about Alec Burks? Oh, do you have an Alec Burks take? The main takeaway of this trade? Well, he's reunited with Rodney Hood. (sighs) That's big. I didn't even realize that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's something that either of those guys were looking forward to. I didn't, right. I didn't basically check. the same guy. I'm not on Rodney Hood Twitter right now, but uh, <laughs> yes. Do you have do you have an Alec Burks take? No, but I think I think this is the last of him. Yeah. I think Dan Devine had it right Cleveland. when he tweeted like he always thinks that the next year is going to be Alec Burks like <laughs> breakout year. It's like and it's probably that. never going to happen. I like Alec Burks. That. He's had like a like a couple of like season ending shoulder injuries, hasn't he? He's, he's just been injured. Yeah, yeah, he's been injured constantly. He's yeah. He went to Colorado. Did not know that. I think so, yeah. Wow. I'm like a, his biographer. Big I'm like Ron head. Chernow of Alec Burks. <laughs> yeah. Let's get let's get serious. Let's okay. start talking about something that we all feel deeply about, wow. passionately about. Let's the talk about the seriousness of the seasons. Last night the Mavericks beat the Rockets 128-108. And Luca has kind of now entered. We did the song this week, Hallelujah. Shout out to Isaac and Jason Gallagher. Real it's like an absolute masterpiece of so good content. Uh but he has now kind of like drifted into this zone for me where I'll watch him no matter who he's playing against and no matter what the score is. And that's a kind of really special type of player. There's not a ton of them. There hasn't been a ton of them because it, it, you have to have a kind of magic to you. And I, I guess I actually literally mean like a certain Magic Johnson magic to you because <laughs> part yeah. of what really uh, excites me about a player is court vision. It's like the ability to kind of change 
the physics and the dimensions of the court based on like his field of passing. And that keeps you as a viewer really stimulated because you never know when like a crazy pocket pass or a cross-court bounce pass or a no-look pass is going to come. And you kind of just get into watching plays unfold that way no matter what the score is. And players who can kind of change the way the game looks and feels are always really exciting in that way. And Luca is kind of entering into that, that zone right now. And he has a certain effervescence and cockiness to the way he plays that's really different and really, really exciting. And you can kind of see him like last night going up against Harden. Harden was basically playing his looper. He was basically <laughs> yeah. playing like a younger, slightly cagier version of himself. Right. And it was fascinating to watch. I mean, I, we haven't really talked about him yet on this pod since since really early in the season. What, what are some of you guys' feelings about him right now? I think that I go back to when we were talking a few pods ago about what makes a league pass team. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying that I really need somebody like for their lead ball handler to or to have a guard, basically somebody who hands the ball at who kind of creates that excitement. And I think like Luca perfectly fits that bill. Like he has kind of like you said, that that magic that that we see in Steph that mm-hmm. gets us excited about Steph. And I think it's also just kind of the allure of the unknown in a way of like not knowing what he's going to do next of not knowing what he could do with him it's more so because he's a rookie still and he's playing sure. to the level of all-star level almost so like the combination of like Harden's game with like Curry's excitement if you will makes for like a really special combo yeah and I think the third line there is just if we're, we want things that are unexpected it's like it's more exciting when it comes from someone that is like a, more of an underdog mm-hmm. yeah. more physically oftentimes like thick <laughs> like Jeremy Lin too like you know that was, sure. was like, that was like, like mm-hmm. that, that is kind of like the le- not the, quite the level of excitement but it had that kind of unexpected like or yeah. even like an, an Iverson sure like I look at yeah. his personality and it's very like iverson S, but he doesn't look like an athlete and he's just getting where he wants to go and that's just he does he makes improbable things happen and like that's basically what you're looking no, for no Steph's one of those guys Ben Ben Simmons is one of those guys for me at his best when when he's playing like with Before a lot of Jimmy. <laughs> when he's playing with a ton of confidence. You just watch Ben Ben Simmons play in like an empty gym, basically. I think yeah. there's two type of athletes that when they're rookies, at least when we're trying to figure out their games and see what they play, how they play. There's two types of players that really dazzle us. Guards, anyway. There's the ones right. that are like so powerful, kind of like Donovan last Russ, year. Yeah. yeah, Russ, where they they bustle through ways that they shouldn't. They get places they shouldn't. They dominate other sizes that they shouldn't, you know. Mm-hmm. And then there's guys like Luca who kind of like fold the space on a court mm-hmm. and already know to do things that players don't know how to do until they're like veterans. And that's what's actually been fun for me is like seeing him do this against veterans. Like you'll see like, you know, when they do the instant replays and like he's ball faking underneath and you'll see vets like actually look the other yeah. way and be totally faked out right. and to see that so early on from a player like this is really fun he also has this thing that Steph does uh, a lot where Steph kind of like really popularized which is essentially taking the flourishes of basketball and making it like in a core part of your game you know what I mean like Steph extending the court the way yeah. he does with his shooting and uh, dipping under people and kind of just like making his center of gravity so low, but especially with the way in which he he extended the the floor on offense, it's supposed to be something that you do like once every 100 possessions or once every 200 possessions, but he does it with like once every five. Mm -hmm. And Luca has a certain almost carelessness with the ball, Mm -hmm. but the carelessness is like considered. It's Mm -hmm. like, I'm trying to get Mm -hmm. you to look at me going around the back 
randomly because that's just going to distract you and it's going to distract your help guy and it's going to make it everything around us kind of like unbalanced but i get it when it's unbalanced and it's, it's kind of yeah it's crafty but yeah. he's like five inches taller and yeah. crafty right yeah he plays like a veteran and i think it's really important that he's playing on a veteran team like he's not like trey young kind of hidden in atlanta basically toiling and like trying to outscore opponents just to even get into a game like they're 10 and 9 right now and he's a big part of it and like the fact that they're able to to compete right away it kind of almost makes his performances more impressive yeah because he's not just doing this in garbage time he's he's basically leading a winning team and he's doing it without yeah. dirt yeah. Not that Dirk is like necessarily like going to pour it on when he comes back in, but mm-hmm. I mean that it is interesting that he's had this kind of wide berth to almost take the team over. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because DeAndre is essentially a rental. Not you know maybe they'll keep him, but like I don't think they should really. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wesley Matthews is is on his last leg, literally. <laughs> you know, it's basically DSJ and Lucas team. Yeah, and, and Berea, who will live forever and always be on the Magic and <laughs> right. Fabrics until yeah. I die. Yeah, That's yeah. interesting. I, I didn't really thought of it that way, but it's interesting to think about what they will do next. Because even if the best-case scenario for the season is what they sneak in as the eight seed, that would be fun because we had Luka in the playoffs. But then what happens after that? Like, who do, which are the veterans they keep around? And, and, like, technically, they should be tanking to get another player just as good to pair with Luca because I don't think that Dennis Smith Jr. Is, is the second best player on a team like that but I also don't think that they're upset with thriving under like Luca right I now I think Mark so Cuban's had enough of tanking it's kind of, yeah he I, did but, it for like but it's four like a weird like, like, like limbo has to. yeah and they right. gave their pick away for for the trade oh right yeah. yeah and so I mean I guess it's interesting because they've, they're have they kind of doing what like the Clippers and some of these other teams are doing are trying to bridge the gap they're not trying to go full tank they're mm-hmm. trying to like and I think it might be to Luca's benefit. We get to see him play through like just early bumps. And I wonder if they come out of this two years from now with cap space and like the first thing to actually sell to free agents besides just like come hang out in my really like polished like locker room with all these flat screens in it. Which is, like, the I, but the thing, thing is about their locker room and I have no evidence towards this, but I remember when he took over the team, he like revolutionized their locker room and it was like, there's an Xbox in every, <laughs> right. every stall. But like, what if it's still that? I, I was like, <laughs> like two years ago. It's pretty dog shit. Yeah, and it's, it's like, like 1999 to, cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have to. Pa- you literally have to pass through office space, like people like at their desk in cubicles, in order to get to the actual yeah. locker room, which is not like anything in the NBA. That's awesome. It's like check it out, bro. I got like a projection <laughs> machine, and I have like pay per view. So like, if there's any like fights you want to order up, we got those. Uh, <laughs> um, got the new VHSs. The only thing other that I would say about Luca, you know, is is we haven't, none of us, I don't think, have mentioned a number yet. Uh, and, you know, I think that that obviously is, it, it's become a language of itself is just to talk about it, whether it's the advanced analytics or just the box score stats of the player. But I, I kind of, I it was an afterthought to see what Luca Luca's stats were last night. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, it was, right. I think it was 20 and six boards and two assists, but it was, it was like, oh yeah, and, and he did get 20, didn't he? It was more of the highlights. It was him trying the scoop layup and getting that foul on Harden or like taking those like outrageous threes like at like weird moments. From the corner. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Falling. It's just like, it's so, it's that, that's kind of fascinating. I also think it's like, he seems like an interesting evolutionary step in the Euro to NBA transfer where he, he kind of reminds me of Manu a little bit mm. where it's like, I don't think that he's changing his game. He's making the NBA change their, its game to him. You know, like he still has, he looks exactly like he looked on on Madrid. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's playing in that same kind of like really devil may care way. 
that I think sometimes other European players get that beaten out of them a little bit. Like Rubio even like can mm-hmm. still make incredible passes, but has almost had to develop like a suit of armor to play. I don't know. Is that just because where the league is going though? Maybe. It helps that they're, yeah, it helps that everyone's playing fast. So like all these turnovers don't really matter. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if it's also that he's, he's able to shoot. Yeah, there's there's that too. Like yeah. his, his two biggest like assets on offense are his creation and shooting. So it really goes with like what you're looking for from that place, and and like you said before, like there's no Dirk on the court to to really take. Yeah, because and Dirk does become like his own weird center of gravity when he plays, because he's like mm-hmm. standing there on the nail, mm-hmm. and they're kind of like running everything around him, and mm-hmm. he can either pass out of it or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and Harry I, Barnes is not going to take shots. <laughs> no, no. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the Wolves uh, because I don't think we've really chatted about them too much since the Butler trade, and um, what's their record since then? Uh, I think they've returned to 500. But and they've I'm won not... something like four in a row, right? So right now they're 11-11. Make a wish. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Wait, what? Could you do a segment like where Haley you... Googles? You don't know what 11-11 make a wish is? No. What? Okay, yeah. well, it's just you know, a... you didn't even never heard of Wilco. <laughs> step, step in that, my that office. That's the generational divide I'll tell you right there. About millennials. Okay, they have won four straight. Seven. Not great opponents. Right. Nets, you got to well, I mean, beat these guys. Yeah, they're fine. Yeah. Bulls, Calves, Spurs. Okay, but they whooped the Spurs they last night. They crashed the Spurs. It was not. Yeah, Megan Schuster was texting me like. Why do I love Robert Covington so much? And like, she was using a lot of caps. And a lot I'm, of I'm happy to explain it. I'm happy to tell you that like, he is exactly the player that they needed. He's just yeah. exactly the player they needed. He, he immediately makes their team defense better. I don't know if you guys saw this video. I think it was from a couple of days ago, but it was um, Covington st- standing in the scrum in front of Towns and like pretending to be a reporter mm-hmm. and he goes Classic. Uh, <laughs> how come he goes hey Carl like how come Robert Covington always bails you out on defense <laughs> and Towns like cracked up and Covington cracked up and I was like imagine this six weeks ago and Jimmy Butler being like hey motherfucker <laughs> how come I always have to bail you out on defense right. I'm gonna steal your car right. exactly. do you think Scott Layden calls Jimmy at night now and like uses one of those voice changers like you need me yeah. you need me to win well look they're probably not gonna make the playoffs but maybe they will hey. but this is just such a immediately more entertaining team more fluid and, yeah more fluid team more fluid. and they're they they became exactly what the Sixers lost which is deeper immediately because you see Rose yes. and Akogi mm-hmm. coming off the bench now and it, like the Sixers are struggling with their they have a great starting five and then like they're they're playing Shamit and these guys off the bench like that transfer of rotational guys to to Minnesota and this sort of okay it's towns and down like there's now a pyramid it just seems to have made it complete, like so much more sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the whole trade to me is fascinating because of what you're talking about. Just like the hierarchy of offenses and just like five guys versus three like amazing yeah. guys. And I, I just, it seems really hard to put together a functioning offense in like in a league where like teams like the Warriors exist and teams that are coming up from uh, like the, the dregs of the league, like the Kings have like four or five guys that can shoot and that can play offense, trying to do it with three guys. And especially for the, the Sixers, like, three guys, two of whom like can't really shoot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, it just seems like they leaned into towns as the number one guy and we'll see if that works out long term. But for now it's just at least more fun. Yeah. And at least more exciting and like everyone seems to be playing better as a result. Yeah, they look happy. I think the pyramid concept is interesting because 
I look at some team like the Grizzlies, for example, where you know what the hierarchy is. Like mm-hmm. all the guys around Gasol and Conley know that the hierarchy is that. And now that the team can actually make towns that the peak of that yeah. pyramid, it, it it flows from there, you know. And I think it makes for a better kind of team environment. And you know, maybe not a high, as high of a ceiling right now, but at least a I don't know, a stabilizing force. I mean, Towns doesn't have to have. 25 and 20 a night though if he's playing happy and it, he can have a night like last night where he has what 16 and 11 and they get these incredible like battery in the back performances from guys like Okogi he was like well you like 12 in like eight minutes or Love something Akogi, yeah yeah and and you know they can get a charge performance with with 10 points in 17 minutes like they're getting like efficient like impactful performances from all over the roster they're, they, they. I don't. I don't think that they have the talent right now to go up against the upper tier of that Western Conference. But I don't really even know what the upper tier of the Western Conference is anymore. Right. Right. It's the Warriors, and then what else? I don't know. You know it's fluctuating so and much. Even that, the Warriors right now have an asterisk next to them. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. But like, it's it's so. I mean, that's a whole other conversation about the West as a whole. But it, any team that gets on a run could end up in the second seed, but like after a week. So it's kind of kind of whoever has the the more streaks in the end, I guess. It comes down to Wiggins. If if you're going to get rid of yeah. like one of your big three, the two have to step into it. And while Towns has done a pretty reasonably good job uh, of kind of asserting himself since Butler's been out, like Wiggins has just been a mess. He's Wiggins' three, three trade value right now is very confusing to me. He's just lucky that John Wall exists because otherwise he'd be the worst contract <laughs> in the NBA. I was just going to start talking about Wiggins for faults, but I'm not going to talk about that. That, that is would just, be that would be good scary. for Minnesota. <laughs> Because then they really? have room. Yeah. It's interesting. <laughs> I don't think Andrew Wiggins wants to go back and play with Jimmy Butler again anyway. So we no, can pick yeah. that off the board. But Wasn't Wiggins the guy that they originally were up. supposed to tank for that year? The, the Philly years? was? Yeah. I think that's who everybody... I mean, he but he was <laughs> supposed right. to be the like... Next LeBron. He was, he was the faults <laughs> of that year. He yeah. was like, this is the consensus number one pick. You should just get, get Wiggins. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I wanted to talk a little bit about how weird this Western Conference is, though, out of Minnesota. And, you know, we're still... 22, 23 games in, 20 games in in some cases. You know, the Warriors have only, uh, Clippers have only played 20. But uh, it's just, what's real here? Like, what are, what's up and what's down? Like, we're going to see, we're going to see the Kings, the Kings and the, the Clippers are going to play tonight. It's one of the most entertaining matchups of the, of like, of the season so far. You know, like two of the most interesting teams in some ways. I think the best way to do <laughs> Do you disagree with that? No. <laughs> No, I agree. Of course Wait, he agrees. I, I agree. What are you talking about? <laughs> Sorry, I was like waiting. I couldn't tell if you were like doing the bit you were doing earlier. Where, you- <laughs> where nothing matters. <laughs> I was like, what? So I was doing this thing earlier where I got in and I was like, I'm so excited for Warriors Raptors. And then it was immediately informed that Draymond and Steph are both not playing. Yeah. And I was like, well, you guys just let me know. Let me know when I should watch basketball. <laughs> let me know when it counts. When, when Summer League's over. When you guys want to play on back to back, Chris is like, I'm just gonna go rewatch Little Drummer Girl again. Well, listen, <laughs> like, should I just go home and watch up. First Reformed? Yeah. Then I mean, what like what is my life? I haven't watched either, so you can you can let me know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's like so the Rockets are in next to last place, not the Jazz. They're tied with the Jazz, and they're five games behind the one seed. Like, what Shout is out that? To the Suns for just yeah, just being what we thought they were. <laughs> Thank you. I think the best way to do this is like, who are the teams we're sure about? Okay, let's do it. Sure, I would say. Thank you, pal. <laughs> Golden State, mm-hmm. for sure. Check. I think Denver has proved enough. They're a plus eight point differential. When we say for sure, are we saying for sure in the playoffs? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, I know that these are legit And teams. you can also say this is who they are. You know? Okay. Sure. Sure. 
Okay. <laughs> Go. OKC, I think, is is in there, too. So that's yeah. three playoff teams right there. That's it. That's, we that's have, it. So that's we're going to have a Western Conference playoffs with three teams. <laughs> three teams. <laughs> I think, you just let me know <laughs> when the Western Conference <laughs> playoffs start and when the first two teams beat one another so that they can play the Warriors. <laughs> I would put the Blazers in there. I and would, too. maybe... I honestly think I would put the Clippers in there. Because I just think that they're not, like, barring some crazy injuries. And even with some injuries, they're so, so, they're deep, so deep that they're just going to be in games all the time. That even at the worst case scenario, they draw, they fall off a cliff. Like, mm-hmm. they might still be their seventh, eighth team. The Clippers I, I are would, would a band of the most reliable fourth, fifth, and sixth men just yeah. all put yeah. together. Yeah, I mean, Ryan and Bill were talking about them, and they were actually like legitimately firing me up about just about like the amount of guys where it's like the perfect mix for Doc of a couple of young guys with all the guys he can trust, a couple of guys playing in contract years, a couple of guys who are like nobody believes in me, you know, and then enough dudes who are so psychotically competitive that they're kind of going to stick around in every game because if they have Montrez and Patrick. Every just some night, of the hardest coming off workers. the bench, it's gonna be hard to be yeah. like, we're just gonna. You're not gonna get not not nothing against the Spurs, who everybody knows is like a really incredible organization. I don't see the Clippers getting like stomped out by the Wolves like that. They have too much energy, right? They can out energy every team. Yeah, I do think that they found guys who like the league had kind of soured on for mm-hmm. whatever reason. And Gallo, just, like, yeah, Tobias even was yeah. kind of like playing in yeah. obscurity. Yeah. Uh, Gortat is is playing meaningful minutes, and they gave him away for Austin, who was. Uh, I mean, regardless of what we always like bag on Austin about, like he's a wing, and like teams love wings. Yeah, so th- they have a lot of that. And I think it's fair to say that Austin does not bring like harmonious locker room energy with him. I mean, right. I, I don't think either of those places were his fault, but clearly he's not the guy who like transforms the locker room and makes it into like a happy, fun place to work. Yeah, and I mean, this locker room could have flipped the other way considering like how deep they are at literally every position. It still There's, could. Everyone is like playing for minutes every night to the point where like Boban will play one night and not play for like five. Yeah. yeah. Or Harold will like pop one, one game and then like Gortat doesn't play. And that's when I think Doc's coaching comes into play and it's been impressive so far like last night he started Boban because he knew he could get the rebounding advantage on the Suns and he I think Boban had like eight offensive rebounds in the first quarter or something like that like it was a crazy number so and then it changed the game completely so it, it, he just has a lot of options within that team and I think that's going to keep them in the season it's going to make them an amazing regular season team it's interesting to go back to what you're saying though about the the, the Timberwolves Sixers trade mm. and changing a team from a big two or three to a big eight or a medium-sized yeah. team, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and how much success teams like that are having this season. You know, right. how much success you see a team like New Orleans and Utah who both have, like, really obvious focal points for their offense, you know, and they're they're kind of struggling a little bit. Although, I think that, that a lot of that is just, like, stop-start beginning of the season stuff. But then you look at somebody like, uh, I don't know, even 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 the the Nuggets are a good example over Jokic is more of a, as, as much a facilitator as anything else. And on any given night... It might be Jamal Murray. It might be this guy. It might be that guy. Yeah, they have Paul. Like you, you'll Monte name their big three, and then the, like, yeah, oh, they have really Paul Millsap. Yeah, yeah, they have Will Barton. And the Clippers are. are and the Clippers are the the absolutely like the the, the Raptors team. are like that. Even though they have sure obvious stars, sure. right? And we, I mean, is this kind of a response to the, these ideas that we've been kicking around about rest and the the ideas about like what do you what do you need in a regular season like this? Yeah, I mean, the the whole adage was that, like, your depth doesn't really matter in the playoffs mm-hmm. because rotations will shorten and, like, all of your star players will play more, and so stars matter more. Um, but I think there is something to be said about, like, a team almost figuring out, like, the hockey wave strategy. Yeah. If you're just yeah. playing, like, 
league average to a league above average dudes like all the time, then like you're not losing some of those like you're not punting minutes yeah. anymore. Mm-hmm. So I don't know long term if it's if it's a strategy. I still think even in the regular season, like talent will win out, but it is interesting to watch. I mean well, the Thunder have even figured that out to some right. extent. I mean, this was yeah. the whole thing when Russ's MVP season was the absolutely like criminal off on numbers that he had. Mm-hmm. I mean, regardless of his efficiency, it would just basically be watch every night and it's like, can they live through Russ being out? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was like, no, they could not. We saw this in in shorter stints with just the idea of staggering your stars. Like, mm-hmm. just the fact that like there's always going to be an all-star on the court and the Warriors take it to an extreme. But if the Clippers have Lou Williams and it gives way to Tobias, who gives way to to some of these other guys, like, there's really no drop-off there. To say uh, nothing of the fact that they may have the second-best rookie right, in this that's class. What I was going to say. It also helps when your rookie's starting and giving you, like, really valuable minutes. But I think the other side of that is the Rockets. And they don't have that kind of second unit to, to come in and, like, I mean— well, they, like got rid of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they're playing like Isaiah Hartenstein and like Gary Clark and it's like that's not going to work in the regular season. Can we go back in time for a second and can anybody at this table explain to me why they got rid of Mba, Mute, and Ariza? Well, we, I asked John you on Slack last night. I said like, where do you think that they would be if they would have just carried over their team? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, if everything had been happening, if Gordon had been cold and Paul had gotten suspended, he was like maybe like two or three games I better, just right? think you need some stability carrying over and Paulo you wrote that article on the Blazers and why it's easy to have faith in them because they have carried over with the Rockets you can't carry over and only keep your top heavy guys when for two seasons what's been so good about you is that you have like this insane on deck like load of three point shooters and guys who can threaten you from every area like that was the identity of your team and then slowly they've all been traded away or Mm -hmm. have left in free agency And you like try to replace them with a bunch of guys right now who are playing a lot of minutes, but not for the right reasons. It's a bummer because like Ariza's on the Suns and he was there last night playing the Clippers, and he's like not. I mean, he's what? What is he? What he's not? He's, he's not, not adding trading. anything. They'll, I mean, yeah, they'll deal him. Yeah, yeah they'll pay. deal him. But it's it's a it's a bummer that he's not on a contending team right now because you 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 know he could be helpful to the Rockets again, right? But he, it's he's just there he's getting his get, money, getting his money. Like at the end of the day, like that's Living fine. In but Phoenix. you know, you need to wear those cool jerseys. I don't think they would be this bad, the Rockets, but I don't know if they'd be like still number two, number one in the West, just because right. like. Sure. Ariza, even on his best days, is a really poor shooter who can stretch the floor, can at least be like a threat from three and defend a little bit. But Mbamute has been out like pretty much every game. Like, yeah. I think they actually dodged a bullet with Mbamute. Their problem is just doubling down on Chris and, and Harden and just becoming that big three team sure. without finding these guys to replace them. Without really, the yeah. And, and Gordon not being the three. Right, right. right. They really took some risks with the guys that they backloaded the roster with. Obviously, yeah. Melo, but like even Michael Carter Williams. And it was like, it seemed like the sort of thing where it's like, oh, Daryl Morey strikes again. He's going to find the best out of these guys. But really, he. Well, I also, I, I think I was under the impression that a lot of this stuff was because he was thinking five steps ahead and thought mm-hmm. he was going to get Butler or thought he was going to get somebody. Mm-hmm, yeah. Like yeah. he was going to do what Elton Brand did, which is essentially be ready to pounce the second another star is upset, mm-hmm. you know, and whether that was maybe they wanted to get a meeting with Paul George or they thought they had a shot at LeBron or whatever it was that was going through his mind. It just doesn't seem to have worked out as of yet. I want to, we're going to take a break in a second. I do want to do the same exercise that we just did in the Western Conference with the Eastern Conference really quickly, which looks a little bit more like what we thought. And we're going to talk about what we were wrong about in a few minutes, <laughs> mm. but we're going to go back to the West. Is there one. any, let's go, let's go through <laughs> the Eastern <laughs> Conference. We're sure about Toronto. Obviously yep. the Bucks are the Bucks. The Sixers, that point differential is starting to get under my skin a little bit, but it is what it is. The Pacers 
play hard every night, mm-hmm. are, are getting meaningful contributions all over their team, are, are like just a really well-drilled team. Yeah. The Pistons. This is happening. Blake. I believe. It's I Blake. Still, it's I still Blake. don't have faith that this won't fall off. The I think pistons. it'll fall off, but, it, but the East is so bad on the bottom end of it that it won't matter. They'll get the 7th or 8th Yeah, seed. but it's like bad now with like decent teams. Like, do you know what I mean? Like now the Wizards sure. are below them, the Nets are below them, the Heat are below them. And those, while those aren't good teams right now, they're teams with people. It's not like they're playing with people. the Phoenix. You know what I mean? Like sure. they have no, the yeah, ability and we've seen it before and they have the talent, but uh, I'm not sure. This was always my case for the Pistons. It's just like they're C to B minus level basketball. It's better than the D to F that's the rest of the conference. Yeah, and like I was watching their game against the Suns on Sunday. Why? Wow. I had no fucking idea. <laughs> Pistons Suns on a Sunday. And Blake wasn't even playing particularly well that game. Well, but he just has such an effect on the court that I think he can just like do his thing where he just... Wait, you weren't... You were watching a... Pistons-Suns game <laughs> yes. without Blake Griffin? No, he was playing, but he oh. wasn't playing particularly well. And this was like a Sunday at like 1 o'clock. <laughs> Just that little window into little my life, little old Sunday guys. brunch basketball for you. <laughs> yeah. I love it. But like he, he's, he could just pound on like inferior opponents. And that's basically the story of his career. And I think that's enough to be where they are, by the, where they are now by the time of... He also just seems like pleased to be away from the... I guess spotlight, if you want to call the Clippers a spotlight, that was the Lob City era and like Chris Paul and all that. Yeah. Maybe the better exercise for the Eastern Conference is who's the eighth seed. I think so too. I do think these are the teams. Yeah. I you think the, the Magic, Magic are going to make the playoffs. I think the Magic have just as good of a shot as the Wizards and the Wizards are the yeah. only one that will push them. You don't think Miami's going to get hot? I think the Nets no. would have pushed them if Levert wouldn't have gotten hurt. Isn't yeah. Levert expected to come back this year? Yeah, but in like two months. They might yeah. be too far out by the time far, he does. Yeah. Um, okay. The Heat are sad. I will say yeah, the, that. The heat are, I can't believe that this sad. is going to be the Eastern Conference playoffs. I mean, like that is eyeball shattering. Let's go Magic. Let's take a quick break <laughs> to hear from our sponsors, and when we come back. We're going to talk a little bit about what we were wrong about. Today's episode of the Ringer NBA Show is brought to you by Microsoft Surface. Thank you to Microsoft Surface for being a sponsor of the show. If you need a device that helps you get stuff done, but is also perfect for when you want to catch up on some funs like streaming live sports, aka basketball, or checking in on your fantasy team, like a fantasy basketball team, check out the latest member of the Microsoft Surface family, the new Surface Pro 6. Just take the keyboard off and use it like a tablet or snap it back on and use it like a laptop with up to 13 and a half hours of battery life and the new 8th gen Intel Core processor. It's everything you love about the Surface Pro, now even more powerful. Today's episode of Ringer NBA Show is brought to you by Dark Sacred Night, the number one new bestseller from author Michael Connolly. Veteran detective Harry Bosch partners with Renee Ballard, who works for the LAPD's Night Beat, to solve the brutal murder of a teen runaway. The case unfolds with a furious momentum, and according to the Wall Street Journal, Dark Sacred Night is one of the best and most affecting Bosch novels since Conley began. Dark Sacred Night is Conley's 21st Harry Bosch novel, as well as his second novel to feature Detective Renee Ballard, who first appeared in last summer's bestseller, The Late Show. Titus Welliver, star of Amazon's hit TV drama Bosch, reads the audiobook edition of Dark Sacred Night with an appearance from the actress Christine Lakin as Renee Ballard on the audio edition as well. Don't miss the novel that The Washington Post describes as darkly brilliant. Listen to the audiobook or pick up your copy of Dark Sacred Night from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever you get books. Go to Michael Connolly, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-C-O-N-N-E-L-L-Y.com to learn more. Welcome back to Group Chat. 
Uh, this is a podcast about accountability. So I think it's worthwhile to go back through some of our early season predictions now that we're about 20-some games into the season and just talk a little bit about like what we were wrong about. I'll go first. Okay. It's big of you. <laughs> Thank you. So a, maybe like a weekend or two weeks into the season, somebody tweeted, what teams are we even sure about in the Western Conference that won't make the playoffs? Somebody tweeted that at you or they just... They just sent it out. At random, but I mean, aren't all tweets really at me? Sure. So, we're, all, we're all part of the same conversation, which so, is what's beautiful about Twitter. So I tweeted back, Phoenix, the Kings, and Memphis. You're sure they suck. That's what that was. Basically, like, who are we sure won't be in the playoffs? Oh, Phoenix, Kings, Memphis, yeah. Yes. Okay. Memphis. Mm. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, Memphis. Memphis. <laughs> Jaron Jackson Jr., I'm sorry. Yeah. Marcus Gasol, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Conley, I'm sorry. The yeah. girl who tweets at me every single time after a win, I'm sorry. <laughs> JB, Chris Vernon. I'm sorry. The genre of the blues. <laughs> the Oak Street. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I was wrong. Yeah. Jeez. Barbecue. What do you like about them? Do you, do you like watching them? Uh, See, I think that that's the problem. Is <laughs> yeah. that like, for like, so last year it was really hard to watch them. When a team's not at full strength and they play the way that they play, really hard to watch them, really hard to yeah. get into them. But I love watching JJJ. He's a lot of fun. It's fun to say, too. I think I like Triple J better. That's way better. I mean, just... Sounds like a I love watching artist. Triple yeah, J. I like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's easy to forget how masterful, I guess is the word it is, to watch Conley. Mm-hmm. And Gasol's yeah. having a great season. Yeah, so, Con- Conley is just like one of those things where... I'm sure at some point he will have an injury that completely wipes him out. But I think in my mind, that's why I was like, okay, well. But I mean, every time he comes back now, you're still like, God damn, that guy is just amazing at basketball. He's so good. I, I love Saul watching him. Yeah. on another level. I think he's already dealing with some sort of injury. Uh, he has yeah. a foot injury right now. But like on both ends. Maybe I, that's a sympathy yeah. injury for his brother, though. <laughs> Pow had the stress fracture. <laughs> oh, did he really? Yeah. Oh, man, I missed that. Yeah. R.I.P. Pow. Uh, because Saul is like, I think he's like a top five two way player this season, which yeah. is incredible. Yeah. And Jackson is probably the third best rookie, I think. I think there's I mean, also it's an interesting argument between SGA and Jackson. Mm. It's take I think in terms of like two way impact, Jackson might be better yeah. than Aiton right now. Than Aiton? Well, yeah. I'm saying yeah. Luca, SGA, and then, oh. J- and then Triple SGA, J. Triple J, and you're saying Aiton? Well, see, Aiton has the numbers. I don't care. <laughs> well, like, that, the, the team sucks. Yeah. That's who it goes to. <laughs> yeah. the thing. I guess so. So you think Aiton's going to win Rookie of the Year? No, I think Luca will, but I think Aiton will probably come in second because he's gonna, just going to put up stats, even though his defense is really bad. But what I'm saying is I think Jackson overall has been second to Luca. I do think it's unfair sometimes, though, like the way... For some reason, I find it unfair the way he's getting, like... He's getting like the Harden treatment from a couple years ago, where people are putting up like Aiton getting cooked videos a lot. I think that's yeah. true. At the same time, he he's, getting, he's averaging like lower than a block a game, yeah. which is incredible for a man that's like just giant and just has to stand there and just do yeah. this. Yeah, I'm waving my arms to the people at home. <laughs> really good for him, uh, Haley. So you were wrong about Memphis. Yes, I was wrong. I'm really sorry. You don't really have to apologize. You can just say like I was wrong. Uh, you know what? Twitter makes me feel like I have to apologize. I don't want to look at Twitter that much. Uh, Justin, what's who were you wrong about? So mine's, mine's an obvious one. I, I <laughs> caped very hard for the Utah Jazz earlier this season. I definitely put something in a group post we did where it was like, are, aren't the Jazz going to be second in the West? Not even asking the question, just mm-hmm. assuming it. Uh, 
And I still have hope as we can circle back to their One of these teams is going to do the second half of the season thing where they win like 15 out of 20. Oh, we should pick that. I'm not selling all that stock yet. No, but they are struggling and they do look poor or worse on defense, which is like the big red flag if there is one. Isn't everybody doing worse on defense though? Uh, like, isn't that like kind of like almost like it, it, I, I'm, I'm not even talking numerically. I just feel like are, isn't everybody trying to adjust to like the shooting coming from everywhere? Like the call is coming from inside the house. Like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I, I wonder if that's where a lot of like some of the offensive issues we're seeing with certain teams uh-huh. are too, just because the floor is almost like it's different now. Like, yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, I wonder that's what if, I mean. Yeah. I was talking with this is just random, but I was talking with Dan Shaw yesterday about like a bunch of stars shooting poorly from three. And I do wonder if it's the fact that like because there's so much more perimeter defense that it's harder to get off a perimeter shot. So a guy like, I don't know, Kevin Durant is shooting worse from three because there's just more people. Yeah. So. Yeah. And there and and you've got more guys probably in the last two seasons, say, who are being moved into positions where we're like, okay, we're gonna make we're gonna play small. But for perimeter guys, I think that you're seeing more bodies like Covington out on the perimeter. You're seeing more bodies yeah. like even a Miles Turner or somebody like that, like standing out a little bit farther from the hoop. And if they're guarding against the three, if they're running people off the line a little bit more, yeah, you're right. Part it's of gonna... adjusting to the movement of three-pointers is learning how to defend them yeah. from all positions and all heights. Absolutely. Closing out on like a live ball, like on the perimeter is like incredibly tough because you're literally like probably running from the the baseline and then trying to stop without like overshooting them so they could just yeah. like go by you and still like try to get your arm up. It's like fucking incredible. Well, this tough. is the whole Billy Donovan thing that I think we talked about a couple of weeks ago where he was just, it almost sounded as if it took him several he was like, I mean, it definitely took him seven, several seasons to get used to the NBA or whatever, but he was talking about, like, it takes a little while to understand how hard it is to, to defend the three-point shooting at this volume mm-hmm. and to, to spread your defense out like that. And then, you know, almost basically be like, then take the layup. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, well, we'd rather trade you the layup than, than watch you put up 15 points in six minutes or three in three minutes or something and just blow us out of a quarter because you got hot from behind the arc. You know what I mean? And, and right. maybe teams are sort of adjusting to that on an individual basis, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, for me, I was kind of into the fact that I thought the Wizards could could be interesting. Mm-hmm. And instead, they become literally the, one of the most dysfunctional teams we've had in recent history. Uh, granted, there's still one and a half games out of a playoff spot, which is tells you all you need to know about the East. But yeah, no, I was kind of into the idea of, you know, I, I just think I like Bradley Beal's game so much that I thought that he would kind of set the tone for them this season, but uh, obviously not the case. Well, terrible. I think that they're way better than their chemistry is, That's obviously. True. I, did, I did not expect them to kind of claw their way back towards respectability a little bit, even though they're not, like, on any given night, they could just fall apart like they did the other night, and Beal was, Beal was talking about, like, we just kind of regressed to all of our old bad habits. Yeah, and Otto Porter is just lost yeah. right yeah, now. Geez. I thought he was in the midst of like kind of an upswing because he had one game where he had 14 rebounds. He had a few good scoring games. But last night, he was just a non-entity. And I was watching that game for a little bit. And it's just, he just doesn't really show up on the court like usually ever when you're watching. Would you, would you do Porter for Wiggins? That's what I was just going to ask. <sighs> we were talking about that on Slack, I think, a couple of days ago. And Sean was like, I love a, a, a my mistake for your mistake trade. <laughs> right. I think that was the deal that they were, ta- they were talking about. Yeah, I wouldn't do it for the Wizards because yeah. I think Wiggins would somehow make their chemistry even worse. I, I would love it for the Wolves. I would love it for the Wolves. would be great. More of a green light, yeah. Yeah. And also just, I think he probably is somebody who would maybe thrive in a situation where he was like, I'm one of 
seven or eight guys rather than like I was supposed to be the three. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And but my coach somehow doesn't trust me or whatever, you know. He's basically Covington. He's not as good as on defense. He's not as good of a shooter most nights, but he's basically that. I, I would love to see him go still to twenty five. Like I think the Pelicans oh, still need some so wing good. guys. And yeah. although he's more of a four now, I, I think he could do a lot in that lineup. Yeah. He's still like I said, he's still twenty five. So what about be. you? I was wrong about the Lakers. Okay. Mm. I was, I, I mean, mm. I kind of feel stupid about this because I was like, I, I was basically essentially wrong about LeBron, you know? And mm. I, I, was, I wasn't like on some Skip Bayless shit where I was just like <laughs> the fake king and his tin crown or anything, but I definitely was like, this is a different period of his life. I think that we'll have, we're just seeing the same thing that happens every season for LeBron, which is like a kind of slow start that then eventually he gets into fighting shape and gets his team playing the way he wants him to play him. And it just so happens that it's happened after 20 games rather than about 35, 40 games this year. And they just look like they can beat a team. Like, they don't look like they're going to win the the championship, but I think that I just somehow, even after working in basketball for 10 years, underestimated LeBron James. I don't think you're underestimating him. I think that we're all waiting for this moment when eventually time catches up to him. And that, honestly, that still could happen this season, Chris, because he's turned it on so early. Mm -hmm. Like, Paulo, you wrote about that one night. Like, that still could become, like, your prediction could eventually come full circle. And so could yours with the Jazz. There's still time for those two. There's still an up and down team. But I don't think I, and and I think that they have done, they've done a little bit of what Minnesota has done, which is they beat the teams that are worse than them. And they've gotten a couple, they've gotten a couple of really necessary W's by beating up on Atlanta beating up on a, a Kings who are st- who are good but are not that good yet. And I think that I, I just I was just like they're not gonna make the playoffs. That was yeah. kind of like my sneaking suspicion. And now I think that they're probably a lock to make the playoffs. As long as LeBron We didn't mention had, them earlier. As long as LeBron plays at this level. We I think, didn't mention I think them. they are where like uh, the consensus almost like bore out. Like I know some people are super high and some people are like as low as saying they're not gonna make the playoffs. But this feels right. I don't know. Eleven and nine minus point two point differential and like they had that stretch of what was it seven of eight yeah and now they lost two games in a row like they got blown off the floor in denver last night i just think like they're the type of team that like yeah lebron can win some games but overall they're like still pretty mediocre and that feels right to me so i guess then that my follow-up question is is like is are we not talking about that enough because usually we would be really like lebron being on a mediocre basketball team would be something that we talked about all the time I feel like we're way more captivated by a couple of different things happening in the league right now. Mm-hmm. But is that just because most of us just assume at some point they'll either make a deal or we'll get even better? We'll I, just write the ship. I think it's twofold. I think it's one, it's the fact that we the tone of the season is completely different because it doesn't have the, that same kind of demand it or feels rush. experimental yeah, yeah. That, that, yeah. that the other seasons in Cleveland had where it's like, this needs to be a title. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that has helped. In, in terms of, like, not, us not talking about it. And I think, like you said, the deal that's coming. Like, I'm very excited to see kind of what is it that they do in terms of the trade deadline. But they, they have to do something. I mean, the low-key story right now that's starting to be talked about more is how much Ingram is struggling with mm-hmm. LeBron on the floor. And I think yeah. a, lot, a bunch of people have pointed that out on Twitter, you know, this week. But it's it's a bummer. Because, like, we all expected him to be kind of that number two um 
option and now Haley's laughing at me sorry no I remembered a tweet I saw last night that was like <laughs> Brandon Ingram is can it, I tell you something really quick can I interrupt you is it how much I say tweets no I just love how <laughs> delighted you are by Twitter <laughs> it's, I love it it's literally poison yeah and you're just like you know what's great Twitter <laughs> I like, think it's because I blocked like 500 people <laughs> like the other day somebody was like you can't say that you're a suffering Ravens fan because you want a Super Bowl blah 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 and I was like mm, block I just, get, you know, if it's negative, get it away. But anyway. I'm sorry, I just didn't mean to interrupt you. That's okay. Um, somebody tweeted that Brandon Ingram is a taller, skinnier Andrew Wiggins. It's <laughs> 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 pretty good. Harsh, I don't terrible. think it's that bad, but yeah. It's been bad. It's, it's pretty bad. He's, it's definitely not what we needed him, what LeBron needed him to be, what we wanted him to be. The best case expectation is it's not going to be Brandon Ingram. Like we were saying, okay, Lakers' best case scenario is if Brandon Ingram sure. steps up and mm-hmm. is the second right. best guy. That's not happening. The problem I, I is that Kuzma and Hart happening. are the two guys that have fit the best with LeBron. And Lonzo and Ingram are still trying guys figuring it out. So and I wanna I wasn't gonna do this, but I am gonna do this. <laughs> <laughs> this is a little bit of a therapy session now for me because it you know I I really like obviously the Sixers are my favorite team, but we we've been talking a little bit about some fake trades as like the deadline's kind of heating up and I sent one that really, like, yes. I've gotten the reactions yes. to this have been like, this oh, is no. dark, and like, what's wrong with you? And are you okay? <laughs> <In your> group <laughs> chats. Um, would you guys do Mascala and Ben Simmons for Hart, Ingram, and Ball? If you were, if I was a Sixers, no. I would. I would not. I might do it. Yeah. I might. I, I might not. think about it because it's like a objectively. Like I'm asking you guys because yeah. for me, Ben Simmons is probably my right. favorite basketball I player. So it would be really difficult for me to do that. Like, I wouldn't want to do that. I think that Ben in the right situation can still probably be like a top 20, top 25 player in mm-hmm. this league. But I do think he's the type of guy that needs the entire worldview constructed around him. Whereas yeah. in the Sixers realm, it's it's obviously an NBA. Ben and, and four team. shooters basically right. yes. who then like the floor opens up and he can make incredible passes, but doesn't have any expectation that he's gonna hit an open jumper. Yep. I would be fascinated to see how Ben would fit with LeBron though. Me too. Because that would they, you just said like him and four shooters, that's what Narrative LeBron is. Narrative wise, it makes perfect sense. It's like the clutch takes over clutch takes over LA and sure. it's mm-hmm. just like he is the the prince who was promised and like LeBron gets to play like the last five years or six years of his Anthony career Davis with him. Comes Whatever it is. <laughs> if, I mean, if the, the Clippers had anything to trade, that would be a perfect scenario where it's just Ben running everything. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. And then he could be no, kind I mean, of I, like I, I wouldn't want, I, I would want a feeling of, of like, like fair return there. And I, you know, I, I don't want that to happen, but it, just thinking about like, the Sixers have to grit out games so hard yeah. now because, I mean, and we haven't even mentioned Joel Mead's name in this whole podcast and he might be like he might be the MVP. Like mm-hmm. he's having such yeah. an incredible season, and he's he is the centerpiece of that team. And I think Jimmy actually plays in a way that Jimmy actually seems to be acknowledging. Like Joel Embiid is a monster, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, but there's something like off. About I mean, ben. he always did. To be fair, like Butler always did that, even in Minnesota. Did he? Yeah, he did. I mean, Butler is a very willing passer. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like he was. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, he said that he did the same thing with Cad and. He just needs to respect you. <laughs> yeah, right. I just, I think right. There's a when he loses of... respect, you're not getting the passes anymore. Yeah, he's right. going to take the, the ISOs himself. But I was just thinking about, you know, that's a radical reimagining of the Sixers. You I know, refuse like... to believe that. I think that people think of Ben now because he plays like such a fully formed, grown man. Mm-hmm. They forget that he's 22. This yeah. is not his game yet. Yeah. I refuse to believe that this is his game not. This is not who he's going to be in five years. 
My it's guy not. needs to start taking some shots, though, outside of the paint. Like, <laughs> it just yeah. needs to happen at some point. I don't understand, like, you know, it's like a, it's like you're looking at, a, like, a survivor puzzle at the end of a challenge, and it's like you're looking at these pieces, and I'm like, I don't know. Sometimes uh -huh. I just don't understand how the pieces fit together with those three. Did you just watch Survivor last night? I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it beats watching the Suns and the Pistons, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, we're going to wrap it up there. Thank you so much for listening to Group Chat. Thank you for being here for my therapy. Did you have a tweet you wanted to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> I actually do have a two. Vucevic for All Star. <laughs> yes. Oh, you didn't get to talk about this. You, 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 Thirty seconds. I'll, I'll give Paulo. I'll give it no. Paulo because this you is just wrote about it. Paulo wrote about it, but I feel like this is a a joint production by the blog. There are a lot of joint production yeah. this year, but like these it's random bonus, guys. Vooch. Vucevic is going to be an All Star. Yeah, I just that's what I want to say. Okay. There you go. Did you did you weigh in on my trade? Uh, yeah, I said I might do it. Yeah. I, I think I'm way down on Ben Simmons right now. Okay. I think the Laker fans would be like, hell no. But I hell do, no. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they I don't think they would do I don't that. think it works for the Lakers. I think it works well for the Sixers, but I also think like the Sixers could probably get like a legit all-star right now for Ben. Oh yeah. Like yeah, if you're gonna trade for it, sure. Anthony for like, Davis, like you'd probably trade him for Simmons. Yes. Anthony Davis and Joel Embiid would be mm. weird. Fultz back in practice weird. today, All right. by the way. Oh, good, good for that. Good for that kid. <laughs> Full inform. All right, we're going to wrap it up there. This has been Group Chat for Paolo, Justin, and Haley and Chris. Take care. Basketball is very good. Basketball is very good. How's it going? I'm Annie Finberg. What up? Vince Carter. What's good? Can't bathe more. And this is the Winging It Podcast, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. We are so excited to be here. We're going to be bringing you guys NBA news, but not just that, life of NBA players. Guys. A lot of funny. Right. You going left. On a scale yes. from 1 to 10, how excited are you? I'm like literally off the charts. I'm 100. There. I'm up there, actually. Right. Are you really? I am. I'm glad you're excited. This is pretty cool. Um, this is going to be a podcast we got going on all season long. We're going to have a lot of really cool guests coming along. Former MVPs, all-stars, regular guys, not so regular guys. What else are they going to hear from us? Shoot, man. Anything and everything. We're going to wing it. It's <laughs> 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 all over the place, man. I think... You know, we don't want to be the typical. Yeah. We think we all, you know, agree on that. We're not gonna be the typical. We're not gonna just. We're not gonna just talk about basketball. We're gonna talk a little bit about a, a little bit about everything. We're talk about some golf. A whole lot of golf. Thirty percent. No. Gonna be golf. No. We have our first episode coming out later in November, so don't forget to subscribe. Rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, and we can't wait to talk to you guys. Thanks for listening. You're gonna enjoy it. I promise. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome.